Hi, I'm Kendra, and this is Stepping Off Now, a podcast for creative people who think outside of the outside of the box. If you're feeling stuck or burned out, confused about where you're headed, and like you don't know how to reach your full potential, this is your podcast. It's not the conventional life advice. I discuss topics like harnessing the intuitive creative process, using anti-productivity to enrich your life, and sorting through all the external pressures and expectations to figure out what you really want. My perspective is informed by my own experiences with burnout and recovery, and my struggles as a creative misfit, as well as my background in social science research. Whether you're struggling to find inspiration and direction, or are just feeling unfulfilled from day to day, my wish is that you'll find hope here. You can find more about me on my website, KendraPatterson.com, or visit the podcast website, SteppingOffNow.com, for show notes. I'm also on Twitter, handle at PattersKendra, and Instagram, username SteppingOffNow. So if you're ready for something different for yourself, and you're open to seeing things in a new way, come along with me. Let's do this. Hi, everybody. This is Kendra. Welcome to the Stepping Off Now podcast. I have a couple things that I wanted to announce that aren't very exciting, but I feel a need to verbalize them. The first is I am considering getting a new laptop. My laptop is eight years old. And the problem is, is that my current laptop work, works great. It's the laptop that I wrote my dissertation on. I started my business on. I do everything, all the things on it. And it's really hard for me to like buy a new laptop when the old one works perfectly fine. But I think eight years is long enough to keep a laptop and I can feel like I've used it and loved it and it may be time to move on. But I'm struggling with this decision. This is what it's like, guys, to be an HSP. <laughs> Seemingly minor decisions really aren't that minor because you become emotionally attached to things like laptops. The other announcement is just a really brief one. I am going to be doing NaNoWriMo this year. NaNoWriMo is National Novel Writing Month for those of you who are non-writers. And it takes place every year in November where you commit to writing a 50,000 word novel. It's not really novel length, but it's a big thing in the writing world. That's what I'm talking about when I say NaNoWriMo. I'm going to be talking more about that in probably next week's episode. I'm going to give you some updates then about this competition for my novel that I entered and what that experience has been like and my thoughts about moving forward on my journey toward publication with my novel. And NaNoWriMo is going to be a part of that. I'm going to be a Nano Rebel. I will be using the time to do a pretty in-depth edit of my novel that I'm very excited about. Let's move on to today's episode topic. I've had a number of conversations this week about what creativity is, the role of creativity, and this is something that I've talked about recently on the podcast as well in my episode about how creativity is for everyone and everyone is creative. But these conversations have delved a little bit deeper into the purpose that creativity serves on an individual level, and in particular, the idea that a creative practice is for some people a kind of sacred practice. And this got me thinking about what creativity, like what 
purpose does it serve for human beings in general in an evolutionary sense and what that might have to do with creativity as sacred practice. Now, the way that I see things is kind of an interesting mix of science-based stuff and more metaphysical or esoteric woo-woo. I wouldn't call it woo. I'm not really a woo person, but I have a deep appreciation for knowledge that comes through means other than scientific inquiry, through intuitive means, through feeling. I'm an INFP, which means that I base my decisions on how I feel about things rather than on any kind of explicitly logical, evidence-based inquiry. But I appreciate evidence-based science, obviously. I have a social science PhD. I have studied all of the methodologies of social science inquiry. I also have had a number of close friends who were in the hard sciences, so I know a lot about what experimental scientific inquiry looks like behind the scenes. It's really quite messy, guys. (laughs) Those clear-cut black and white results that you read about in second or third-hand sources really give no indication of just how messy and complex scientific inquiry is behind the scenes. You really do have to take things with a grain of salt, a huge grain of salt. Anyway, my point is, is that I have a fairly broad field of inquiry personally in terms of how I see the world and evidence and experiences that I use to understand how things work and why they work the way they do. And This is something that I really appreciate about myself, and I appreciate this in other people as well when I come across people who do this. And I tend to feel that people who have a very narrow avenue of, or field of inquiry, I should say, of understanding the world, like they only look at evidence-based science stuff, I tend to view that as a type of intellectual poverty. But to each their own and all that. Anyway, when I interviewed Anne Wainscott some months ago, she was talking about how for her, creative practice is a spiritual practice. And that didn't really resonate with me because I don't really have a sense of spirituality per se. I wouldn't go so far as to say that I'm a spiritual person. I have been at various times of my life. Uh, I've even attended church. I was confirmed in my 30s at the Episcopal Church. Uh, Interestingly enough, that was because Anne was going, Anne Wainscott was going to the Episcopal Church, and we were very close friends, and I went with her, and that was a wonderful experience to go through. But for me, it was more about the experience. I'd never been confirmed, and I wanted to know what that was like. It wasn't so much because I have any kind of solid belief in God or anything like that. So I don't think I'm a spiritual person, but I realized this week in these discussions I've been having with people about creativity that I do have a sense of the sacred. And this, to me, is tied to a feeling of maybe awe or wonder or gratitude or peace, I would say, a peace that you can find within yourself that, for me personally, is all too rare to feel. It's like this combination of a feeling of how unimportant I am in the scheme of things, but simultaneously how very important I am, if that makes sense. And scientists will often have this feeling of awe and wonder 
about the world, about the universe. It's what draws them to scientific inquiry. So this isn't, I don't associate this feeling with anything mystical or spiritual, although it can be. It can be for certain types of people. And I'm kind of in the middle of maybe the mystical or intuitive and the scientific observation and sensory-based perspectives. And I think that this idea of a creative practice as sacred is something that can work regardless of whether you're on the one side or the other or in the middle like myself in terms of how you experience and view the world. And the reason I think that it's worthwhile to look at creative practice as something that is sacred is because it's a way of getting to a place where you're able to prioritize your creativity and your creative practice, whatever it may be. I mean, it could be writing, it could be music, it could be building birdhouses in your garage, you know, any kind of creative practice where you're making something. It can help you get to a place where you can prioritize that in your life and give it the space and energy and time that it needs in order to reward you and bring value to your life and make you feel good about your life and like you're tapping into your creative potential if that's something that matters to you or simply that you know you're reaping the benefits the relaxation and the feelings of motivation and inspiration that come from a prioritized and strong creative practice because the truth of the matter is that many of us view creativity as an activity that we get to when we have the time for it. We can sign it to the leftover times and spaces of our lives. And there are a lot of reasons that we may do this. If we're very busy or we're just overwhelmed by the day-to-day obligations of life, usually it's an energy thing more so than a time thing. When we say that you know we don't have time for something, almost always what we mean is we don't have the energy for it, and we don't have the motivation to prioritize that thing. We probably know deep down in ourselves that we could make time. But if we viewed our creative practice as kind of like a a self-care thing, like we find 20 minutes to take a shower, right? The most basic kind of self-care. We find a few minutes to brush our teeth. Many of us find the time to make sure that we're eating healthily enough. Some of us find the time to do a physical practice like yoga or getting out for a walk or a jog. When it comes to taking physical care of ourselves, that that kind of self-care, we don't really tend to think, do I have a right to do this? Am I taking time away from my family by taking a daily shower or going out for a jog? I mean, maybe those thoughts do come like for the jog, not probably not for the shower, right? <laughs> but we easily justify that stuff as having to do with our health. And we understand that by taking care of our physical health, that we're doing something that benefits the others in our lives as well. We're less sure about activities that are purely for our psychological and emotional health, like creative practice. And I really believe that we have to see creative practice at the very least as something that is good for our our emotional and psychological health. But what I'm talking about goes beyond this. I'm talking about seeing creative practice as actually sacred and something that we carve the space and time out for in our lives and eschew other activities 
purposely eschew them, like intentionally push them aside and let them be in order to do the sacred activity. Sort of like the idea of a holy day or a Sabbath, right? Originally, traditionally speaking, the Sabbath is a day where you don't engage in the same type of ordinary activities you do on all the other days. It's not just a day of rest. We tend to think of it as a day of rest, but that's not actually the entirety of what it's for. It's a time to, or I should say it's an invitation to enter a different type of mindset, a different type of mindset that is healing, that is rejuvenating, and that connects us to the divine. Or if you're like me and you don't necessarily have a belief in the divine per se, it connects you with a part of yourself that in religious and spiritual people is perceived as that connection with the divine, but you could also just interpret it as a certain type of mindset or perception or experience of things, a feeling that serves a purpose for us in that it's healing, basically, kind of like sleep can be healing. I think that this is what creativity can do for us. And when you think about it, creativity exists in human beings as a way to get us through difficulties and challenge, right? It is a type of thinking that can help us figure out how to solve problems, simply put. So that means that the time that we should be using creativity, falling back on creativity, making space for creativity, is the difficult times. That it's not something that when we have difficult times, when we're really stressed out and really busy and our minds are just occupied by all these these things we feel we have to get done and these pressures and stressors in our lives, we push creativity aside and, and say, okay, well, I don't have time for that right now. Don't have the space for that. Actually, those times in our lives when we feel that way is a sign that we should be inviting creativity into our lives, that creativity can help us move through those difficult and challenging times. And not just in the sense of creative problem solving, although certainly it can help us figure out solutions, but that we can turn the creative practice itself into something that helps us float above those everyday worries or helps us separate ourselves from them for a space of time, just like a Sabbath does. In the same way that some people meditate or have a yoga practice or something like that, we can use creativity for those same reasons. And as I journey down my own road of figuring out what creativity is to me and what it means to live my life as a creative, as an artist, which is, you know, my decision that I've made about what I want the rest of my life to look like. I'm increasingly beginning to understand that what makes something sacred isn't so much the qualities inherent in it as it is the time and the space that you create around that activity. And it's really interesting that the more I journey down this road of entrepreneurship, the more I feel a need to make that space around my creative practice and the more sacred I see it as. And I think that that's largely a reaction to the effects that 
the externalization of the value of creativity in order to monetize, commercialize, commodify is having in my own life. I thought that I would perhaps on this journey come to an understanding of creativity that would allow me to see it as aligned with entrepreneurship, but actually the opposite is happening. And I think that that's a good thing because I think that learning how to protect my creative practice, not just from that type of externalization, but also from the externalization that occurs when you start submitting work, like I'm doing with my novel, learning to protect my creative practice from, from that is an essential skill that I need to learn. And elevating my creative practice to the level of something that is sacred is a way to do that. Because something that is sacred is something that is almost like unassailable, right? When you say that something is sacred, people will treat it with respect. They'll understand that it occupies a certain level of importance in your life that really can't be questioned and can't be separated from you. It becomes something of an inalienable right. So I would like to make a comment on why I think viewing creative practice as sacred can be helpful, even if the word itself, sacred, kind of turns you off because it's associated with the spiritual and the religious. But I would encourage you to see this, the use of this word as indicating something found within yourself, that it's sacred to you, that something to do with your humanity and your essential self is creative and that you have a right to creativity in the same way that you have a right to justice, for example, or something that we would we would view as an inalienable human right. I think moving towards an understanding of creativity as sacred can help those of us who feel like we're always struggling against the tide in terms of carving out the time and space for our creative pursuits. We live in a world who wants to devalue these things, that either actively just devalues them and doesn't see them as, quote, important work, or devalues them because it doesn't offer us opportunities to make a living for ourselves through our creative pursuits but more importantly, pursuing our creativity in the way that we want to and in the way that feels good and allows us to explore the full extent of our creativity. For example, perhaps you can make millions of dollars if you write novels like James Patterson, but you're not going to make money, probably any money, from writing novels that don't fit the mold of what's marketable, what's saleable, right? And we shouldn't have to compromise our creative vision and our creative values just to make a living for ourselves, just in order to survive. Artists shouldn't by default have to be starving, right? But that's the society we live in, unfortunately. But coming to a place where you value your work, despite the fact that that the world doesn't, that you value your creative time and practice and the energy that you use for your creative work, despite the fact that the world doesn't, it doesn't want you to take that time It doesn't want you to. I mean, plain and simple. It doesn't want you to because it does everything in its power to try to find a way of refocusing your attention on all the other stuff. And there's no one 
enemy you can look to, of course. This is just the way that society is structured. It's it's not that society is doing this at you. It's just the way that our society is built, and this is the result of it, that those of us who are compelled toward creativity are, are more of the artist sensibility, or for any other reason, don't fit the mold of what we're supposed to be in society, we really suffer. We feel unfit, unsuited. In a situation of survival of the fittest, we are not the fittest. You know, I often say that, that I'm a very unsuccessful economic capitalist subject. I live in this system that is pretty much antithetical to the way that I operate as a human being. I'm a very bad consumer, clearly. I can't even convince myself to buy a new laptop after eight years when all the advice is that you should buy a new one every three years. I almost never buy new stuff. So I'm a bad consumer and I'm a bad income earner. I'm a, I just don't contribute much, economically speaking, to the world, to my society. But I'm increasingly coming to an understanding that I don't have to, that I can still make my way outside of that system or at least on the periphery of it. And sure, it might not always be pleasant because, again, the kind of stuff that I do, my, my creative work, not highly valued economically speaking, but I can still do it. And I shouldn't have to feel that this somehow makes me a failure. And understanding that the work that I'm doing to me feels sacred, particularly I'm talking about my fiction, but all of my creative work in general, in a general sense, that I do feel that I'm doing something that is a sacred practice that it is somehow important, even if I never understand the importance of it. Even if at the end of my life, I'm still wondering, (laughs) you know, how is it important? Well, it's important because it's what I do. It's my, my sacred practice. It's how I've lived my life. I've lived my life through my creative practice. And I think that that's a valid way to live life. I think that that's a valid choice to make. And I think that it's one that you're just always going to get a lot of pushback about. You're always going to get a lot of misunderstanding. But I think for those of us who have always felt like misfits and locate the source of that as being at least partly having to do with being creatives, that's nothing new, right? It's nothing new to have people misunderstand or not appreciate or actively reject. And I think that that is, to some extent, the the shape of things, it, it doesn't really <laughs> get better. You know, it, it doesn't end. That's just what it is like to be a creative. And to counteract that, seeing your practice as something that is sacred can be helpful because it can give you the confidence that the world is not going to give you. At least it's helpful to me to know that that is the thing that I can always come back to. My creative practice, my writing, my fiction, which is my chosen art that I can always find that place, that space. It's more of like a mental space, a spiritual space, if, if you like that word, or a psychic space of some kind that I can return to. It's that connection with the divine, whether or not you see the divine as existing within yourself or outside of yourself, that thing that is more than just us and our, our unimportant little lives. I don't know, maybe it's it's feeling the, the vibration of the stardust in ourselves, right? That there is something simultaneously so unimportant and minuscule about us, but at the same time so important 
but only if we see it, only if we're willing to accept that, because we're the only ones who can. We have to make that decision for ourselves. That's the sacredness that I'm talking about, the kind that you find within yourself that doesn't have to correspond with whatever the world outside is telling you, whatever your culture is expecting from you. It's that thing in yourself that really is unassailable. It may not be impervious to the hurt of rejection or devaluing, but it is still strong. And it's like a fire where you know how when you're burning a fire and you add, you toss some more logs on it, and it seems to dampen the fire at first, but then it flames up even higher. That's kind of the reaction that this this space, this sacred space inside has when it's injured by the attempts of the world to devalue it. That that kind of adds fuel to the fire, in a sense. So tend that sacred flame within yourself of your own creativity, your own creative practice, regardless of what it is. And even if at this time in your life, you're not actually really doing your creative practice all that much, you can still tend to that flame. And you can still take comfort in knowing that it's unassailable and that it's yours. So that's my contemplation of the sacred and creativity. Like I said, this is born out of a number of discussions I've been having all week long with friends and people in my entrepreneurship course and my experiences with this competition I entered with my novel. So stay tuned next week to hear more about that. I would like to invite you to support my show. If you find it of value, you can sign up to my Patreon or use the Buy Me a Coffee website to leave me a one-time tip. The information for all of that stuff is in the show notes. And I thank you very much. I'll see you next Friday. Bye.